You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Radio for Oleanders filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey everyone, it's me, DB, and this guy over here. What's your name again, guy? My name is Dave, comma, Farmer. All right, okay. Farmer I... Dave. I don't want to be getting mail now for some poor guy named Dave Farmer get all his bills. Oh, yeah. No, I'm Farmer Dave. Okay, yeah, no, I think there is a Dave Farmer over in Boring. I think probably is. <laughs> he can get my bills. Okay, we'll we'll set that up. <laughs> he's all he's talking to his wife. Going, How come I'm getting a bill for three hundred pounds of alfalfa? Oh, I thought I thought it'd be like three hundred dollars worth of comic books. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't bill the comic books. Although I have an interesting before we get too far, I have an interesting comic book story. Ooh, cool. What's what's so, what's going on? So, so um, you know, I did not realize. You know, they got that new guy. You know, Denny's been a little under the weather, so they got this mm-hmm. new guy um, at uh, Comic Chameleon. Yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, he's been pulling stuff, and I don't really notice. But you know, he's been put. I thought that you know, I heard that they Diamond wasn't delivering, and so I just mm-hmm, thought mm-hmm. Comic Front Run. So I get this call when Denny gets back. He said. Yeah, I got six months of comics for you. And I was like, oh, that's got to be like 120 bucks. And it was only like 60, so it wasn't too bad. Well, but that's good. Yeah, so uh, I'm finally catching up on some some comics. And uh, we'll probably talk about that. But yeah, so I got I got a, a six months worth of comics over the weekend. Oh, wow. That's fun. What, what, what are you collecting there, Dave? Well, so... Um, you know, I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Okay. And I'll say, I love Dark Horse. Okay. But Marvel Marvel has one thing that it's got right. Mm-hmm. And that's Doctor Afra. Okay. Are you are you familiar with Doctor Afra? No. Okay. Well, first of all, she's a lesbian that supports the Empire. All right. But she's she's sort of she's well, she's an archaeologist. So she's an archaeologist. So. Imagine if Indiana Jones was Boba Fett. All right. And she basically, she, she ends up doing what's right, but that's, you know, she has this huge reputation of betraying people, but that's because either, like Lando, she just has no choice, mm-hmm. or they betray her first. Yeah. And she she's like Batman. She just she she she's a, an archaeologist and she's a a slicer. That's a Star Wars universe hacker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she is also just this mat, natural intuit master of psychology hmm. and all the different races and all the individuals. So she does like the Batman gamut. You know how Batman tricks the Joker into giving himself up sure. by because he knows Joker. She does the same thing. She can be on a planet and she'll like on a different planet. And she'll uh, uh, trick it so that the uh, the assassin that's after is actually runs into bounty hunters or something. Gotcha. Um, but but what Marvel has done, they finished their first um, first volume, mm-hmm. and their first volume was from Star Wars to um, I mean A New Hope mm-hmm. to Empire Strikes Back. Okay. And so volume two and all their 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 their, their Star Wars titles are from. Uh, Oh, uh, Empire to Return of the Jedi. All right. And then Volume Three is going to be sort of, they're going to, which will probably be about three or four years down the road. 
but they'll then start building on what the New Republic was. Gotcha. Cool. So, so I love Dark Horse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Mar- the one thing Marvel did right was Dr. Aphra. All right. And, okay, and so they did an, an episode crossover between Dr. Aphra and the, the Star Wars title, the Luke, Leah, uh, you know, Han Solo and Chewbacca title. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Screaming Said It All. And it's basically gothic horror in space. Oh, wow. So uh, it, it, that's, it, you can get that as a graphic novel. So I, I would recommend that. That sounds pretty cool. And uh, what's, what's the name of that graphic novel? Uh, the Screaming Citadel. Wow. But it's Star Wars. Uh, I think it's Star Wars slash Dr. Aphra. Yeah. So Dr. Aphra is the first Marvel Star Wars comic to character to have a comic named after her who's never appeared in any movies. Huh. Cool. And, and they're they're talking. They're I mean they're always talking. But mm-hmm. with the select I mean with the success of Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, Disney Plus may down the line do a, a live action Doctor Aphra TV show. Huh. Cool. Very cool. I have to look into that. That sounds pretty cool. No, uh, it, it, it 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 it's worth it. It's, I mean, they're always good, but you mm-hmm. know, I like the new stuff. But uh, especially the the first graphic novel, yeah. uh, when it just it's introducing. She actually first appears in uh, some of the Darth Vader comics. Okay. And she's the only person that tricked Darth Vader and and lived. Huh. So yeah, definitely worth. If you're into comics, definitely worth worth reading. Very cool. I'll check that out. All right, before. Uh... We get into too much, eh? Something I wanted to say about Oleander this month. Everything's normal. It's really bugging me. It's like anything that... It's like I'm looking for, like, weird stuff, and it's like, oh, no, no, no. This is the spooky time of year. This is when everyone's like, let's take down our skeletons from our porch. Yeah. Yeah, it just... <laughs> it, it just... It, it is. I think people get a little tired, you know? They're just... Uh... They, they kind of write it in. They, you know, phone it in. Yeah, no, no. It, it reminds me of, like, uh, like, like you don't see the alcoholics on uh, St. Patty's Day because they're like, oh, it's amateur night. It's like Oleander's like, oh, pff, spookiness. Uh, that's that's our yeah. bread and butter. <laughs> pretty pretty much. No, all, the, pretty all much. the lawns look really nice, and everyone's got everything all well manicured. It's like, I don't know. It... <laughs> It doesn't look that spooky. It looks like just some normal rural Oregon town. <laughs> it, it, it looks, and, and people are going to hate me for this, it looks like boring. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 and for people who, who don't live in the Oregon Triangle, that's a, boring is an actual city here in uh, Clackamas County. Yeah, it just looks like some town that you drive through on your way from... I don't know. <laughs> Portland, Portland to Bend, or yeah, yeah, Portland to Bend. I guess would be the, the yeah. No, that's that's generally like on my way to like, yeah, yeah. That's generally when I've been to, been through boring Oregon or driven past Oleander, driven past Oleander, driven past Oleander. Oh man, yeah. No, hey, if you're going from Portland to Bend. Just drive past Oleander. I'm sure the mayor's not happy with me saying that, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how I'm feeling these days about this town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 
it, it's an it's an acquired taste. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I lived in Eugene for like nine years and I never got a taste for it. But I mean, like oleander, it's kind of like seasonal. It's like I'm I'm expecting it to get like ultra spooky and and, and everyone's like, yeah, no, no, we'll we'll carve some jack lanterns. But yeah, no, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought people would be, like, summoning demons and stuff, and it's like, yeah, no, we're going to talk about witches, and everyone's going to rake the graveyard, and, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. It just seems like autumn, but not, like, spooky. Anyway, enough of me talking about my disappointment in Oleander. <laughs> so, uh, what are we talking about first? So, I believe that you're discussing witches in a childhood classic oh actually i i'm yeah no no uh i'm i'm gonna be talking about one of my favorite books one of my favorite book series as a child was the uh beverly cleary series of like henry higgins and uh Beezus and ramona and uh just kind of like everyone who lived on clickitat and in that whole area kind of like that whole series of books love those books as a child because it took place near where I lived in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I, I really enjoyed these stories of, like, young women, like, using their imagination and being who they are. And I, I just really liked them a lot. It was, it was fun stories for me. And I really liked the Ramona stories. And there's one story in particular where she is a dresses up as a witch for Halloween and uh there's kind of like an identity crisis based off of people don't know which which and it kind of upsets her but anyway i was going to talk about a book that i'm going to talk about in a moment and we'll hear more about it right after this well, I'm, I'm excited yeah me too hey everyone it is me db spitzer and i'm uh i'm talking about i'm talking about books i haven't done this for a while i haven't uh, done a book review <laughs> and like normal, I'm not going to talk about a book that you sit down and read. I'm going to talk about some sort of graphic novel or something that has a lot of pictures in it. Because <laughs> I love illustrations. I, I love illustrations. One of my favorite books growing up, one of my favorite book series in general, was the Henry Higgins, uh, Ramona and Beezus whole click-a-tat kind of neighborhood crew. Um, I don't know if it, it has like a, a name and I'm, I'm, I'm always curious if it's ever been adapted to television or anything like that, but I recently ran across a book called The Art of Ramona Quimby and I was excited. Two of my favorite books of all time are Ramona the Pest and Ramona the Brave. Um, this book, oh, I let me let let me let me not just uh, stumble around my words. Let me just tell you about this book, The Art of Ramona Quimby. Uh, it's uh, sixty-five years of illustrations from Beverly Cleary's beloved books. Hardcover currently uh, came out September first this year and was edited by Anna Katz, kind of authored and edited. Um, 
The adventures of her iconic heroine has all has been brought to life by five different artists: Louise Darling, Alan Teargreen, Joanna Schreibner, Tracy, Tracy Doc Gray, and Jacqueline Rogers. Readers can compare multiple interpretations of iconic scenes. Remember the infamous egg cracking incident? Read the letters exchanged between Cleary and the first illustrator and learn the stories behind the illustrations. Celebrates the timeline of these five artists since Beverly Cleary published the first Ramona book back in 1955. Includes excerpts from the books. Two essays illuminate the series' narrative and artistic impact. The book explores the evolution of the iconic character and how each artist kind of uh, made her timeless, but kind of, you know, of the time. Uh, her fans, uh, there's illustrations. Um, for those who grew up alongside R Ramona, this, this richly uh, nostalgic volume reminds us of why these books are so great. Um, a couple of facts. Uh, Beverly Cleary's best-selling children's series has sold over 50 million copies. Uh, that's 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 pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I was I was impressed by that. But no, I I love this series. Uh, I believe it's in Ramona the Pest, the baddest witch in the world, uh, is uh, one of the chapters. Or the, the concept is. Ramona dresses like a witch for Halloween, uh, for her uh, class and for the Halloween parade at her school. Ramona realizes that with a rubber mask and not being able to be recognized, she can chase her classmates around with impunity. She can pull on hair. She can be the baddest witch in the world and, you know, no one will know who she is. It's witch, witch. Ramona then is upset and has kind of a sense of identity and identity crisis. Like, I, I don't know if I would call it identity crisis or kind of like, a, I don't know, fear of um, lack of identity. I don't know if that if that's the same thing. But anyway, um, yeah, no, no, no. And as, as a kid, I remember reading that in... Gaining anxiety over, like, a, a loss of identity. Um, I believe it's in Ramona the Brave where she's being chased by a dog that uh, I, I had, uh, like, similar things, except for I didn't lose a shoe. I, I lost a, a big wheel. Uh, yeah, no, but... Uh, the, But uh, after... After the sense of uh, loss of identity, what she does is she puts a uh, piece of paper that says Ramona Q, so people know that she is Ramona Quimby and not just some witch. So, I don't know. There was things that I always found kind of spooky, like things that scared Ramona that also, like, scared me a bit. Like, she used to look at a picture of, I say she used to, uh, she looks at a picture of a gorilla at one point in one of the books. I can't remember if it's Ramona the Pest or Ramona the Brave. I think it's Ramona the Brave. Uh, and it scares her. And she, ooh, just thinking about the big gorilla scares her. 
And at one point in time, they're having uh, a, a room built onto the house, and uh, they, they, they hack open the house. And, and at one point in time, there is like just a little bit of a crack or that wind can blow in, and Ramon is scared that a boneless that, that may be a boneless gorilla or something that she's thinking about and scaring herself. And I don't know, I, I found that concept terrifying as a as a as an eight-year-old but yeah no <laughs> I if if you like these books I highly recommend it if if you're not familiar with the uh with the series check it out I mean I I, I really recommend it it's really kind of fun I don't know um I've 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 listened to the audiobooks again and really, really enjoyed them. And yeah. So I, I highly recommend the audiobooks for these series, I believe on Audible. I'm not sure where else you can find uh, audiobooks. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Amazon or something. And I, yeah, I really, really, really have to recommend The Art of Ramona Quimby, 65 Years of Illustrations from Beverly Cleary's Beloved Books. So check that out and uh it's available on amazon for about 28 bucks uh kindle for about 16 dollars and i think you can buy the whole collection of beverly cleary books for about 40 bucks on amazon but hey um you can also check out your local bookseller see what they've got going on i'm just giving you a price to shop off of or uh, base your prices off of but yeah no i mean if if you can arranged by locally safely do it i i highly recommend that there you know what even a book that was written for kids adults can find something oh yeah yeah and i have to highly recommend if you're not familiar with uh the henry higgins stories uh and the uh, uh ramona and Beezus stories uh you can go to audible.com and we have an old Audible thing that I think you can go to if you do Audible PGTTCM. Uh, you can you can get like something with Audible. I don't even remember anymore. Uh, when you don't feel like reading, and uh, Neil Patrick Harris does like the Henry Higgins books, and they're just awesome. Oh, and, uh, I did that. Yeah. And um. I'm trying to remember who does the uh, uh, Ramona books, and only thing Jack I can editor's remember note, is Stalker that she Channing. was in Greece. Stalker Channing. Stalker Channing. Stalker Channing. No, it wasn't Olivia Newton-John. Stalker Channing. Or someone else who's like, oh, was it who so, such and such? And I was like, no, it wasn't her either. It Stalker was uh, the other one. And then I have to like admit the fact that I really have only seen Greece once. So I, last week, you uh -huh. may have heard that I had an interview, yes. or you may have heard my interview yeah. with Susie. It was good. And she was a witch, and she, we sort of explored the different types of witchcraft mm -hmm. and, and how paganism is, is sort of this general sort of family. Mm -hmm. of, we kind of use the word family. Yeah. So I've got another, an, a, a practicing Wicca. Cool. And her name is um, Amila. Cool. And she's going to do, um, she's going to basically talk a little bit about what she does here in Portland, 
but also what it was like to grow up in the Midwest uh, in a Muslim family huh. and decide that you're uh, that you're really attuned towards uh, paganism. Okay, cool. Well, that sounds awesome. All right, and we'll listen to that in just a second. Welcome back. This is Radio Free Oleander, and I am Farmer Dave, and we've got a very special guest today. We're interviewing Mila Pixie Rose, and you can find her on Instagram at spying at uh, spying on Mila. Correct? Yes, spying on Mila. Thank you. You're welcome. And so, it's fair to say that you are a witch, correct? Yes, I would consider myself very, very witchy. Okay. And are you, and I learned, and if you, oh, listeners have listened to last week's uh, interview, I learned that there were a lot of different types of witches. Do you have a, a particular type of paganism that you follow, or is it uh, Wiccan, or? I, I would say I follow a lot of different ones like different branches, but yeah, Wiccanism and Paganism are kind of the main ones I've gotten ideas and like practices from. Okay, excellent. Um, now, your mother is actually an immigrant from Lebanon, correct? She immigrated to the United States uh, during or right after the uh, Lebanese Civil War? Yes. Um, she immigrated like a couple years at, while it was going on, I think not, it was still probably going on while she was coming out here, um, and getting her degree, actually, um, her master. So, um, she came out here and started teaching, um, met my dad in Kansas of all places and had me and my sibling. So, so you you grew up in a rather traditional Midwestern slash Muslim household, correct? I would say it was maybe my dad was a little bit untraditional Western, but yes, it was kind of traditional, like more like matriarchal Muslim home. But that's how it was in Lebanon, where my mom is from. Um, women were in charge usually of the homes as well as the men so it was like a two-part system and my dad was also equal with my mom too but she really like with her being i think so into her religion or her having cancer and stuff she like showed us more spiritual um wasn't really pushing us to be spiritual she let us kind of explore whatever we wanted so that's kind of why I got into witchcraft because my mom I was like well we didn't talk about it you know like that's it (laughs) and so um, I explored my own kind of stuff and realized how similar like being Muslim was to Wiccanism because when you pray to Mecca five times, like, to the north, like, you're praying, you also could be doing bells to oh. the north as well, you know? It's the same thing, because you're saying words that also equate the same thing. And so my mom 
kind of like taught me that after she like got more in touch with her religion, I think being close to death. And that's sometimes what happens with people. And it's very interesting. And not saying she was an honorable Muslim before, because what is that? That I have to say to that. So. No, of course. And, and I, I've known a lot of people of many faiths that, you know, they were upset or sad that they, they had to get sick. But when they got out of it, they said one of the good things that came out of this illness is I had, I was closer to God. I was closer to my spirituality. So I yeah. think you see that in many faiths. Yeah, yeah, in many faiths, for sure. I agree. I agree. And, but like now I even have kind of like talked to my mom and she sees my wiccanism as me still practicing islam because i still do connect to islam and i consider myself a muslim witch which have you ever heard of that <laughs> like uh, no and, and i i this is i'm learning more about wicca and witch than i than i i thought i knew more than i'm learning i probably think i know more about islam than i really do yeah people don't know it's it's like any religion, religious book. You don't take it word by word. And it was also written by a man. So, like, you have to think, like, of course there's going to be misogynistic things in all, all these books and all of this religion. Even probably in Wiccanism, too, probably the old teachings. Hmm. I, I haven't really researched that. But in everything I've been learning now, it's all been ran by them energy and it's that is why I've connected to it so much is to my femme side and to being seen as cis female all my life and using that for my employment stuff as a sex worker. Yeah. Now, one thing um, that I have sort of also, I, again, I think this is my maybe biases here is that I see Islam as being a very nature-related religion, but so is Wicca. And Islam, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the impression I got is it has a very respectful to nature. Um, and I would see those two go hand-to-hand. Yes, we believe in killing animals and nature and plants with Allah, like we believe in killing it with honor and with blessing from people say Allah, I, I would say the universe personally. Yeah. So, so, so like, like they have some very strict codes that like if you're preparing a farm or you're preparing meat or something, you do it where you kill the animal without pain, correct? Correct. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, I, I just assumed you know, these are almost two, two different directions of the compass. You know, one's pointing north, the other's pointing the south. But you see it definitely more meeting in the middle, correct? I, I do feel like they do meet in the middle. For me personally, I don't know how everyone else can perceive what they perceive, you know. But that's the beauty of Wiccanism and... Islam, you can perceive it as you wish to perceive it, because your perception might be different than my perception, you know? Okay, excellent. Now, what little I know of Islam um, is I know that Sufism 
has a very strong mystic bent towards it. Do you come from a, a, a Sufi background, or have you, have you taken some Sufi teachings? Or? Um, well, in my more... More traditional? It's more traditional. My mom kind of... Well, my mom has always considered herself a more mo modern Muslim. So okay. she never went to temple. We never went to... Oh, I mean the mosque. Sorry. Um, yeah, never went to the mosque. So we really just kind of practiced inside the house. And I just kind of grew up watching her practice. And that's kind of how I grew up understanding the Quran. I, my mom had a book that was in English in the Quran. So I would read it. And I actually made an art piece out of those papers which people mm. that's dishonorable but I was doing it as a part of my understanding of the book because in my perception of reality I am trying to like heal from generational trauma and generational like understanding of the work I feel like and so I feel in my practice I've at first kind of like didn't want to be the third Muslim and then now I've older and trying to understand more and I feel Ron and Wiccanism together more than ever. Do you, have you met other Muslim witches? I have not. <laughs> and I, when I tell people this, I feel like I if I scare them or <laughs> or whatever they think in their head because you know people's biases of both of those things because I am Arab like I I am white passing but I am Arab as well and so I do feel like I I don't know what what people's biases are but they're they're there and I feel them you know with which I feel like I've grown my intuition and my like ability to like feel what people are trying to feel out with me. So, so if there was, and and probably there's quite a few, but but there was a misconception about Islam or or being a witch or paganism or a misconception on both that you could clear up for people. What would it be? Uh, it would be that. Everyone believes in their own beliefs and that you should just try to understand where they're coming from. No one, no one's ever changing. No one's ever trying to change your mind when they believe in what they believe in. And to, I feel like everyone in the religions that I the, the spirituality I feel connected to are the kindest people I've ever met. So, like, my mom is the most honest, most moral person you could ever meet. Um, and you would give her shirt off her back to anyone. And, and, and she's suffered so much from what you've said, too. And she's so giving, where I know a lot of people, they just suffered so much as she did 
they rightfully would sort of develop or, or push onto themselves. But, you know, just from the times we've discussed her, she seems like a wonderful giving person. Yeah, she's an amazing human being. And, and my whole family on my mom's side are, are like that. And then, like, the witches I've known that I've connected to, especially witches of color, like have been also equally just as kind giving their energy and have helped feel in ways I never understood, you know? And I feel like to judge anybody based on their religion or on the color of their skin is is blasphemy in any religion. So and that's what it says in the Quran. We have a page in the Quran that talks about no one is better than any person in their skin. No one. Oh, absolutely. And uh, no, that's, that's, and that's a beautiful verse. Mm-hmm. Now, have you gotten any pushback from either the, the, the witch community or the Islam community for your beliefs? Or? I haven't ever really gotten pushback, but this is the first interview I've done about it. Oh. So I think that maybe I will after this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully you, you've opened some people's eyes and hearts. I really don't think so. I think what will happen will be good things will come to this. And maybe we'll, there will be more witches coming out and being like, I'm a Muslim witch. And, and I'm proud of it. Because, like, I still, I still connect to wearing hijab sometimes to be closer to the universe and to be closer to my feeling of like, and it's not modesty for me. It's to feel closer to the person, the energy, the person people believe in, but the energy that I believe in, which within me. Right. So, So I think that this is maybe a stronger spiritual, but you know, I secretly, like, I see pictures of myself, and I hate pictures of myself, but sometimes I'll say, you know, that shirt, my dad would have worn that shirt if he was alive right now, and it sounds like you're kind of doing the same thing, but on a, a deeper, spirit, more spiritual level than I do. Yeah, it's basically just healing so much from within, from generations, I think, personally, um, and that's what... I feel like my spiritual journey is about is about healing and it's about loving and to to love the whole world unconditionally. That's which that's Islam, right? Yeah, healing on a personal level and a global level. Well, yeah, because I feel like there is a lot of healing we need to do, right? Think about what's happening in the world. Think about why our world is so divided. There's a lot of healing we need to do and calling out of systems that need to be broken. So I definitely believe like my spiritual journey is also a part of that healing. And I'm proud to be and very grateful, so grateful to be alive right now, you know? You know, and that's a wonderful, you know, I, I sometimes say, wow, you know, this is, yeah, sometimes I'm not as sometimes I I'm not as grateful for all the events going on. I know with everything going on, it's really fucking awful. But I am grateful to be part of 
changing. Like, I believe in voting right now. It's really hard because both people, I, it's hard for me. Um, as a survivor of sexual assault, like, both people rapists, that's hard, right? Yeah. So, um, I am still voting, though, because I know that my voice matters, right? And my vote matters, correct? So. Absolutely. And it also sounds, that in your belief system, and correct me if you're wrong, but voting and making the world better is an expression of spirituality. Yeah. Personally, yes. It is. You know, and that is, I have to admit, I'm going to, I have to, uh, that's something that, that's a wonderful concept. I got to really, I'm, I'm going to spend my time tonight wrapping my head around that because I, I love that concept. I just, up until the moment, you know, we started talking, it just dawned on me that, you know, positive action, voting, you know, you know, just it makes me, positive energy, right? Into the world exactly. for positive change. Because at the end of the day, like, I, I can't tell you how much that I I feel like I've learned from being reactive. Because, like, at the end of the day, we are humans. Like, we have moments where we're reactionary and we, where, where we are, are more, more, we're more closer to our highest good, you know? Um, but for me, also, my spirituality, I believe in shadow. Your shadow self is... You know, and, and honestly, I thought I did, but my my previous guest brought it up. And, and I have to admit, I, I, I after listening to the tape, I wasn't sure exactly what she meant. So if you could just sort of explain to me in the audience, I'd really like to hear that. For me, your shadow self is what taboo in what is wrong and what is like not accepted in society is what I've always been taught. And what I've understood, too. So basically, it's like, if you are someone who is, I don't know, who's like, oh, I don't believe in violence, but, like, can get really reactionary to things that, like, like maybe, like, too racist. Like, I get reactionary to racist. And I will never stop getting reactionary to racist. But that's my shadow self coming out. <laughs> that's what it is. And that's okay, though, because at the end of the day, I understand, like, I might get angry at these racists, and if I can talk to them, I'll talk to them, but if they are doing something, like, hurting me, trying to hurt me, I will defend myself, and I believe that wholeheartedly, and I'll defend my friend, especially black and indigenous people of color, like, because of my, you know, what did you say, sorry? Oh, no, no. Um, so it's sort of the darkness, but it can be used for good. Yeah, believe like you you need to like it's also like what you're into like your kinks and your fetishes and your sex life and understanding what you're into and like talking to sex therapists or talking to maybe a sex worker about it even because they're not therapists but they can help you with therapy included because I believe a hundred percent everyone who should go to therapy with their spiritual work with everything included because all these things your mind body and soul right are connected and that's how Islam thinks 
And that's how witchcraft thinks. You know, this is just fascinating. And, you know, we just sort of got to the first part of your life. Um, so what I would really like to do, because we're running out of time, I would love to have you on again next week. So maybe we can talk a little bit more next week about sort of being a witch in Portland. Yeah, I would love to do that. Thank you. Okay, excellent. And again, this is Mila Pixie Rose, and they can find you on Instagram at? Spying on Mila, and you can also check out my OnlyFans, slash Spying on Mila. Uh, I look forward to hearing another interview with you, having another interview with you. I look forward to it a lot. I'm looking forward to it, too. And cut, and then we'll let Daniel edit all this part out. But then he didn't. That was a really amazing interview, Dave. Thank you so much. Mila, thank you again for interviewing with us. It's it's really nice to hear anything besides just me and Dave's perspectives and uh, viewpoints. So thank you again. And now this. E. You're listening to AZOM. We're gonna talk with the mayor Cause the mayor says he wants to have a chat We're gonna talk with the mayor Cause the mayor says he knows where it's at Greetings, citizens of Oleander. The mayor has handed down to me his comptroller. Yes, yes, I have a new title. I am no longer working at the box factory. Suck it, Stan. Yes, I am now the comptroller for the city of Oleander. And I wanted to make some changes to the plan on what we're going to be doing for Halloween. We will no longer be driving and throwing candy at kids. I tested it with uh, Barbacoa and Dusseldorf. Kids do not like getting hard candies thrown at them. I was on an e-scooter, so it wasn't that fast, but still. Okay, here is the plan. We're trying to figure out how to get candy to kids without clogging up the mail system, without leaving large batches of candy for kids all the kids to rifle through and spread germs. No, we need a solution. If you have a solution on trick-or-treating that doesn't, I don't know, we're thinking about reverse parade where kids walk down the street and we underhand toss candy to them. Anyway, the mayor, mayor, mayor's looking for any, anything you have out there. And also, If you have seen or heard anything about the uh, false mayor out there, you know, let us know and we'll get that false mayor. Okay, back to the show. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Oh, man. I love that song. <laughs> I don't yes, know why I always that, say that. That is, a, that, that, is a, that is a song written by a true bard. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, uh, D&D on D&D. That's when 
Dave and DB talk about D&D. So, Dave, what, what, what are we talking about this week on uh, D&D on D&D? Well, so, 5th edition, which uh-huh. is, as most of you know, is the most recent edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. Bills itself as the greatest edition. All and right. So we're gonna we're gonna challenge that. Maybe go through like uh, you know uh, role playing archaeologist. Start from the beginning. I think you and I pretty much started with the same sort of original set. Yeah. Work up and decide what we think is the best version of D and D. Oh man, like nostalgia, nostalgia wise, I want to be like first edition was the best edition. That's the best edition. And second edition was good, but it didn't have the feeling that first edition had. But it's like first edition was so non I mean, there's a reason fifth edition is like designed to be approachable, but first edition was kind of obtuse and you had to know other things about other things and have read stuff to kind of even kind of gather <laughs> I mean, this is my feeling as like reaching it as like at like eight and nine and then 10 and being like, I don't get this, I don't get this. Okay, I kind of get this. So, so there's a psychological theory. Sure. That through your life, you're never going to ha- love again like you are your first time you fall in love sure you can fall in better you can have great love but there's something that will always emotionally bonds you to your first love Mm -hmm. there's a theory you know your favorite doctor is whichever doctor you begin watching doctor who in okay so so i think yes as people both started you know it with advanced and basic you know i i i i'm I, I'm, you know, before D and D, that was chainmail. So I'm after the chainmail. Sure. Um, but before, you know, so I I started in the blue box. Okay. So I was after the white box, uh, but I was that blue box with that picture of that dragon on the, the the, you know, all the gold. And so yes, there's something that you love that because it's your first edition, but also arguably, they had the hardest. Everybody else could build on them mm-hmm. and build on their mistakes. Yeah. You know, and so you know, they went sort of, they went, you know, the the basic box. And I can't remember. I think basic only went up to like third level. Yeah, it was, it was something fairly limited. It was like third or seventh or something like that. And, and, and dwarves and elves were their own race. Yeah. And halflings were their own race. Yeah. And then there came, um, you know, advanced, you know, and a lot of people, uh, they, the, after the blue box, they went, you know, the pink box and then the blue box, and then they went 1A, I mean, advanced. Uh-huh. With, and that's that classic, you know, uh, player's guide where they're stealing the diamond out of the, mm-hmm. the huge diamond out of the, the demon's statue. Yes. And, and, and so, at that time, I thought advanced was such a big jump from, you know, the basic and what they call the A, you know, so the, the, the true advance, because oh, you have things like half elves and, and paladins and so, um, yeah, no, uh, 
And and there, I think there, we felt like we were building something back then. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were the we may have not started in the beginning, but you know, we were basically the first generation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it has its problems. Yeah. And and the least and the one that the problem that it is D and D is going to carry all the way up is it's level based. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, I think from the basic, you know, and the the white and the pink and the blue box, that the when they started coming out in those hardcover books, mm-hmm. the 1A, the first, you know, what we call the first edition, that was this. It was, it was, it was kind of like Mercury, the Mercury program. Yeah. You know, sure they're gonna build on it later, but you know, we're the beginning. Yeah, and I have to admit, when I, when I moved from California to Oregon, I, I gave away all my books for a friend. <laughs> I, I knew he wouldn't throw them away, but I just didn't have enough room to move everything, so I, I gave all my one A books away. Oh, I, I I did something similar when I moved to Arizona. I ended up giving all my one A, uh, or all my first uh, first ed, second ed, third ed, D and D books, and. Oh goodness! I think all of my GURPS books and Shadowrun books, <laughs> but it was like a fair amount of like <laughs> the stuff. And the sh- What's that? The GURPS and the Shadowrun, uh, all, all, all came with me. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get rid of the one to make room for them. Yeah, no. The, so, the the only thing that came with me was my Call of Cthulhu, and everything else was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just rebuy this stuff next edition. <laughs> so, so did you have any experience with the second edition? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, my best friend and I in uh, elementary school and middle school, we got first we uh, we, we we kind of reverse engineered first edition, and then uh, based off of like just weird bits and pieces that we got, and we're like, oh, okay, so this is what these monsters have, and this is what characters have. So okay, so then we got our hands on. Um, like a box, uh, the water deep box. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, what do we do with this? And then we're like, okay, there's other books involved. And we're like, all right, we can play this now. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, we need more people than just me and you. Okay. So we, then we had to like yeah. find other people who wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. And, uh, uh, we found other people, but they were like, no, I already have a group. I don't want to join your group. And we're like, fine just kind of like had to scour and scour to find people who also knew nothing about the game but wanted to learn how to play the game and we had to like ask people questions and you know there was nothing anything close to the internet except for like bulletin board systems and I, I don't even think like we even knew how to like find a D&D bulletin board I mean we had accesses uh, we had access to modems but we didn't have access to like people to talk to about D&D so I don't know it was kind of a rough uh, rough weird long trial (laughs) so by the time we were usually rotating you know game masters Mm -hmm. by the time second edition came out I was basically doing shadow run Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe still a little bit of twilight 2000 oh yeah uh GURPS, you know. mm-hmm. um, but so, but I had some of the friends when it came in their turn to be game master. 
they would run second edition. Yeah. So I never played second as a G- GM. I played our GM, but I played it as a player. And so what I think happened, and this is going to happen over and over, is it just it gets too the system just gets too big. Mm-hmm. It just it just it's so big. It, it's like the it, it, it's like you know a nova. It just it falls in upon itself. It's just too big, uncontrollable. It explodes, and out of this new stardust comes a new star. Yeah, I know that's not how astronomy works, but work with me on that one. It's my analogy. All right. And so, I think that the advanced Dungeons Dragon just got too big, and it collapsed in itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's it's going to cyclically do this every couple of years or so. But I think the big things that came out of Second Edition was skills. Yeah. And I think that's when they started toying with advanced class and master classes. Yeah, I, I really did like the optional rules, but I didn't like how everyone would like try and use all the optional rules of 2.5 at the same time. It's like, come on, let's just use some of this. This is like, let's not use all of this. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really and, enjoyed a lot of that. And I, and I think, and one thing they did I think was kind of clever mm-hmm. is... The, the way they had the, the the notebooks where you would buy different like pages of monsters and you would just fill up your notebook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was fun. I I have to say I I, I have been lucky enough to uh, except for fifth edition I've been lucky enough to uh, DM like every edition of D and D in multiple campaign settings. But I don't know. I think that just <laughs> I'm like. I, I guess I've just been lucky enough to do that, but yeah, no, um, yeah, I, 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 I oh, go for it. No, 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 I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but, but I think eventually two, just, just like one, eventually it just got so out of hand. Oh yeah. They, they had to, they, they it had to implode on themselves and start over. Yeah. And that's where we get that, the three and a 3.5. Well, we also, and, and to be honest, I call it, oh. I was going to say, also, that was like uh, when they went from TSR to uh, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they did one brilliant thing. Mm-hmm. They did something really brilliant then. Yeah. Is that they sold the three core. Yeah. Monster Manual, Dungeon Master, and Player's Guide for 20 bucks. Yes. Where all the other folks were running about $40, but they were smart enough. They did, so they did a couple things smart. One of them was, let's sell the three core the same price we, we sold books 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. and i was working at a company who i would get as a perk i would get barnes and noble gift uh, cards yeah you know and so i bought it because i had the gift cards i did, you know i didn't really was excited about starting a new D D, but you know uh-huh. my friends were getting it and i had the card so i bought it yeah and, and i think the other thing that they did right open license yeah, yeah, I really liked open license. I remember uh, when the uh, 3.0 books came out, I bought them and then threw them into a car and then drove out to northern Nevada for Burning Man, whatever year that came out, and like um, sitting around in like a hundred something degree weather during the day and like reading like the uh, terms of whatever for like okay open license you guys do you do you realize what this means and everyone's like oh my goodness but yeah no uh we 
we had a huge nerd camp at Burning Man back in the 90s, but yeah. <laughs> and, and it came up with the, it coincides with the internet, so yeah. things like drive-through role-playing game, mm-hmm. where people could, it, it really jump-started this golden age that started of self-publishing uh, oh yeah games. yeah and i i really liked that that like srds were created like just huge databases for like dungeons and dragons and all the open source stuff so that you could like just like have character creators out there and like really kind of play around with like what kind of character can i create for dungeons and dragons or plain uh, uh pathfinder almost said planescape that's uh that's second edition but <laughs> yeah no no i i really 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 like 3.0 and 3.5 just because of the fact in 3.75 if you're going to say plain uh pathfinder but um just just like how really kind of like that's when i really learned how to like kind of like i don't know not just like role play but like how could i make a powerful character and it's kind of like i don't know kind of like when dungeons and dragons changed for me a little bit and then they even did if you wanted to do this great you know Beowulf, Hercules level hero. Mm-hmm. They even made the epic guide. Oh yeah, yeah. But of my favorite, my yeah. favorite three point three three X setting. Sure. D twenty modern. D twenty modern. Oh yeah. D twenty modern. Huh. Do you ever play it? No, I never got a chance. So so here's the thing. So they have the classes, but the the main six classes. They're based off your are built, attributes. Are I based think? around and that. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're based on your attributes. Mm-hmm. So you could have charismatic or you're, you're smart, mm-hmm. and um, and then once you get up to fourth level, then you have things like medic or bodyguard. Okay. Or, and they had all sorts of campaigns. So they they had future science fiction. You had um, you know steampunk. You know, had beat the Nazi pulp, uh, pirates, you know, like not necessarily pirates in D&D, but, you know, 16th, 17th century pirates of the Caribbean type setting. Yeah. Uh, different space settings. And I love, I love D20 Modern, which was basically, it, it was the carryover of 3.0 to non-fantasy settings yeah i did once tell a bunch of people we were playing uh d uh, d20 modern but we weren't actually uh in actuality playing call of cthulhu d20 oh, okay. <laughs> it's like i wanted to be like hey let's create detectives and cops and like working class folks and like put them through mysteries and everyone's like yeah I'm like all right here's here's how you roll up your characters <laughs> and then um the uh coc book uh d20 coc i had wrapped up in like you ever like take an old uh paper bag and like turn it into a book Bad. cover yeah you so know when i was in high school yeah, yeah i i did that to like all of my uh like all of my uh uh, hardback uh, role-playing books just because the fact that I didn't want them to get like too messed up and stuff and also I didn't want other people to be like that's mine and it's like no you don't even have that book that's my DM's guide so I used to make book bands for everything and then just like write on the spine what it was 
and I wrote D20 Modern on my spine of Call of Cthulhu so that no one would know that we were playing a Call of Cthulhu campaign until it was too late. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I got, actually, I have the D20 Call of Cthulhu, and, and I got it so I could take all the stuff and put it in the modern. Nice. And, and again, that was just how versatile I think the 3X system was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, now, I really like 3.5 a lot. And, and you know, I know they say there's a lot of junk, but my friends all have 3.5 books. I have 3.0, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we merge every once in a while. Oh yeah. You know, whoever was running, I mean, things like the weapon finesse feat was different. Yeah. You know, and so there were some changes, but you know, we never really noticed. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would always ask uh, DMs. It's like, hey, can I use 3.0 uh, feats, and can I use this and that? And they're like, yeah, sure, sure. So I end up with these like barbarian bards or like thief fighters that had like monkey grip that could use like massive swords <laughs> and i just like create these characters they're like hey how'd you do that and i'm like well there's this program that i use where i can just like goof around with like all these various things and like create these insane characters they're like oh that's cool <laughs> yeah and then 4-0 came, and I have, been, I have never played 4-0. Uh, I played 4-0, and I'd rather not talk about it. There was, like, cards that you had to print out or things that you had to write out and cut out. It was, it was just too busy. It was they, they wanted to sell more paper. They wanted to sell more things. And it's like... It, it, I had friends that said they thought it was more of a, a tabletop game. Yeah. They thought it was more focused on the minis. Than... Yeah, it was really focused on the minis and the cards and everything. And it was just, it was, it was a bit too much for me. And a lot of my friends, and I actually uh, abandoned my uh, 4.0 set at someone's house. And they're like, hey, when are you going to pick up those books? I'm like, those aren't mine. And they're like, they have your name written in them. I'm like, you can just recycle <laughs> <have> them. <laughs> You can recycle oh, those. Covers. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't even put covers on those ones. <laughs> so I didn't play 4.0. What I did play mm -hmm. was Star Wars Sega. Ooh. Or Star Wars Sega, which was the prototype for 4.0. Okay. Uh, so so at the time, um, Wizards of the Coast they have these Star Wars. Um, they they have you know the the rights to make a Star Wars game. Yeah. And then they took all of their Star Wars stuff and they basically streamlined it into Star Wars say, uh, Saga. Okay. Which, it worked. And I actually enjoyed it and I thought, it, I mean, I, the, of the three Star Wars games I've played, it's my least favorite, but it worked. And the big thing that they had going is that we had all these new Star Wars comics, we had all these new Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as much as you know, I like the D6, uh, you know, West End Games version, there was, they, they closed up shop before mm -hmm. there was, uh, you know, Clone War supplements yeah. or, or Star Wars Legacy and things. So it was complicated but not super complicated, if that makes sense. It was a lot more complicated than D6. Mm -hmm. I think it was even more complicated uh, than uh, Fantasy Flight's gotcha. Star Wars games. Okay. But um, it worked. 
but apparently that was their test stream, huh. and they went from Sega Sega to to 4.0. And and I've never played 4.0. Yeah. And of all my friends who played it, only one friend liked it. Yeah, I could see 4.0 if it was like, hmm, not not D and D. If it was Star Wars or like, if it was for a science fiction game, it seems a bit more like. You've got this much energy that you can use, and it makes a bit more sense for, like, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't feel like a good fit for D&D. And, and, and with Sega, too, the Force almost sounded too much like magic. The Force uh, was almost too much like magic. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't know if people care whether or not I really kind of found... I just... I found it boring. It just felt too mechanical it's like okay spend these cards and it's like i don't know i always like it when magic feels a bit more abstract and it's like okay i've spent all my magic for the day but i'll be able to get it back tomorrow but these cards tell me that it's like okay after this much of a wait i can get this back and then i can do this and then i can do that and it's like i don't know i like it <laughs> liked it the other way <laughs> when it's like if you don't pay attention you don't have any more magic buddy <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'm not a fly on the Wizard of Coast wall. Sure. And, and I wasn't really that interested when it happened. Mm -hmm. But it almost seems to me that 4.0 was the one version that didn't implode on itself. Yeah. That they did, okay, we're losing customers. And they were losing them to Pathfinder. Yeah. Which was basically, you're right, 3.75. Mm -hmm. So I think Wizard Coast, the way I see it as an outsider, said, okay, let's just take what we've learned and wipe the the you know the the slate clean mm -hmm. and let's go with 5.0 yeah 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 no and i don't really know how to describe 5.0 but like a smarter version of 3.0 3.5 that makes it a little bit more approachable for like new people that and and, and it's selling like great i mean it it is a hot property yeah uh, and I think that I don't think that they could have if they kept pushing like 4.5. So I don't think they would have gotten people. Yeah. So I it, I would say it's very approachable. And the thing that the thing that I like, I mean, and I got five because uh, I couldn't convince people that we still needed to play 3.5. I didn't uh -huh. want to. I I mean because once four came out, I started hitting you know all these used bookstores and I was at game stores and I was finding all a lot of these books online just dirt cheap mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and you know so I had a good you know 30 40 you know 3.5s I didn't want to change but no one would play with me unless I had the five so oh, that's no good hold on one second I'm about to sneeze <laughs> oh. <All And>, right. <laughs> Well, and I'm not I'm not disappointed that I upgraded. Uh -huh. there, I mean, it, there are you gotta. There's a few rules you gotta just. Was it that system? What system? But I mean, they they've learned from a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, I like the subclass. I really like three point, you know, three X whatever. Sure. I really like the master classes. I didn't at first. When I first read the master classes in. They first appeared in the Game Master's book. Yeah. Did not like them because I thought it was returning back to the just huge sort of 
bureaucracy that was in that ended up in 2.0 or the second version. Yeah. But you know, then when all these different ones came out, you could work and start climbing your way into it. I I really liked it. Um, there's not you don't have to build up. There's not as much planning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the sub. You just you're there. Yeah. You know, you're a third level thief. You just choose what which path you're going to take. You're a sure. third level barbarian. You know, clerics are a lot earlier, like first level, or same thing with warlocks. I, I like that they so they they experimented. I did. I had a an early warlock in 3.5. Mm-hmm. I think they first came in like complete sorcerers or something. Yeah. Or complete magic, uh, and so they streamlined it. Um, but I, I like that. You know, I, I like the warlocks. Um, I, in general, I like what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Something that. Uh... I need to figure out how to do for three uh, 5.0 or D&D Next or whatever they're calling it these days. Something I've always enjoyed doing, trying to create, is something that people are like, wait a minute, can you even do that? And I'm like, sure. If you scour the rules enough, you can always figure out how to make a bard necromancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm being able like, to raise the like dead by rocker. playing my loot. What's that? The goth rocker. <laughs> Heavy metal. Heavy well, metal. yeah, more of more of a, a new wave goth rocker, but yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, the big thing that five, you know, has that the mm-hmm. others don't, it's supported. Yeah. So all the new stuff come up, and and the, you know, and and do you need like every book that came out? Yeah. Probably not, but they market them well, and, mm-hmm. and you know, there's other companies. They still have some degree of open license, so you know, I'm I'm not. I, I like five. Sure. But now, if you had to choose, do you? What do you think is the best edition ever? Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so I only played Pathfinder. I someone else was running and went up uh, a. My uh, a 3.5 online, uh-huh. and they converted it to Pathfinder. Yeah. And, you know, they sent me all that. I would say 3.5. I like five. I play five now, but uh, I think the best is 3.5. Uh, and if and and again, sort of after I either stayed on 3.5. Yeah. Uh, and after I moved away from California, a lot of my friends that were playing 3.5. They they went on the Pathfinder. Yeah. If I had gone that course, I probably would have said it. But um, I didn't have a lot of experience with it. But I would say, honestly, and the thing that I like better mm-hmm. on 3X, whatever, you know, 3 whatever, sure. over 5, I like the skills. Yeah. You yeah. had more control. You had more control over the skills. You had more skills. And it was, I think, a more skill-focused game. Yeah. And a more feat-focused game. Uh, yeah, that's where, something I like. Now, about. this is more of a talent game you talent from your classes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, if, if I was going to have to rank them, I would go 3x, 5, 2, 1, 4. <laughs> or Pathfinder, 3x, 5, 2, 1, 4. <laughs> so I, I would be close to say I would just... Uh, I would go 3x, 5, 
one out of nostalgia uh-huh. and the fact that I wish I were 16 year old again. Sure. Uh, and one being all on the advanced, the basic, the blue box, you know, the the that monster manual with the blue sky and the centaur and the Pegasus on it, all of those. Oh yeah. Then I probably go my little experience of Pathfinder. <laughs> Uh, and then probably, I, I, I've never played four also. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite campaign setting for uh, Dungeons and Dragons in general? Um, so, excluding um, D twenty Modern, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I love mixing up. So there's several. There's a there's like one where it's a psychic. There's one that's sort of a monster slayer, mm-hmm. and then there's the one that's just sort of a weirdness type thing. Sure. And I'd love to mix them all together. Okay. Um, so I would say, um, excluding that, I would say three Feyrun. Feyrun. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Which I, when I started picking, and I never used it exactly the way they were set up in the books. But when I started getting like the, the 3.0s cheaper, uh, I collected a, quite a bit of them, and and I, I never ran Feyrun, but I took a lot of it in my own homebrew world. Cool, and that's that's is that Forgotten Realms? Or yeah, that's I... what I. Yeah, I'm sorry, Forgotten Realms. Okay. Yeah, Forgotten Realms is the campaign. Cool. Yeah. No. No. Uh, for me, it's 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 like a toss up between like Planescape, where you get to like play with everything, but it also feels like too much at the same time, or Dark Suns, where it's like post-apocalyptic Dungeons and Dragons, which yeah. I love post-apocalyptic stuff. And as as a tween, young adult, I don't I don't know. I can't remember. I was like uh, 12, 13 when I started mm. playing like Dark Suns, and like oh man this is like other role-playing games this is like if dungeons and dragons was like really 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 hard (laughs) and 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 oh oh go for it and say the new and and i've just glanced the book Mm -hmm. um of the new settings i i think the the greek one is is it therius i don't know I think it says something starts to eat. And I think, and I'm not sure because I don't have my book with me, I think Ken Height may have had something to do with that. I know that Ken Height is working on a Hellenistic uh, uh, campaign setting for D&D. I don't know if it's come out yet. I haven't talked to him about it lately. (laughs) I I knew he was. I'm not sure if this is the one. Yeah. But um, I'll have to find my copy. Sure. But um, that, I I would be intrigued. I I think if I, I, you know, maybe, not... Not maybe be by Prime, mm-hmm. but maybe do Explorers. Let's leave our sort of pseudo-Europe and travel to this this giant Australian-sized mm-hmm. Greek island or something. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Nice. <sighs> well, I think we've talked about D&D for quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I think so. So... 
Okay, this is the part where we lament that we don't have a sign-off. Yeah, no. Hey, if you want to send in a sign-off for us, I mean, we'd love to hear that. If uh, you want to rate, review, subscribe, pick up a t-shirt, I need to design some new t-shirts. You can check us out at pgttcm.store or slash.store. You can go to, uh, I don't know, you can find us on Facebook at... uh, KZOM, uh, 11.30 a.m., Oleander, Oregon. Just look for Radio Free Oleander, and you'll find us. I think we're on Twitter. I don't know. We're, we're out there. We're, we're somewhere. We're on Instagram, but I haven't done much on it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so look for us out there, and uh, we'll look for you. If you write a review, we'll read it. If it's nice, if it's not, well, you're... You should you should write nice reviews. Come on, jeez. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything to say for yourself, Dave? Other than have a great week. All right. I hope you all have a good week too. Stay safe, stay sane, stay clean, and don't be a jerk. Sounds good. <laughs>